Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. The end of suffering. In this episode, Eckhart answers questions about suffering as part of the human condition. He says many spiritual traditions focus on awakening as the end of suffering. Paradoxically, Eckhart says we need to go through a certain amount of suffering in order to realize we don't want it anymore. He says oftentimes our suffering is caused not by our life situation, but our reaction to it. He believes much of our pain is generated by the mind and its toxic narrative. Eckhart says we can move beyond suffering by embracing life's challenges. He says they are a doorway into the transcendent realm and that when we step into the light of consciousness, we are free from suffering at last. Hello, everybody. Here we are again. Let's acknowledge the present moment, which means becoming aware not only of your sense perceptions, but also becoming aware of yourself, not of yourself as a person, not the historical self, but being aware of yourself as the awareness. And so you don't need to remember who you are or who you will be, just be aware of being, of being aware. A silent space of presence. And that transcends who you are as a person. It transcends your life situation, whatever is happening in your life situation. So this is the transcendent dimension of consciousness. That's the essence of all spiritual teachings. And this will always be challenged by the things of this world. And your work, so to speak, is to embody this deeper dimension of consciousness, even while engaged in the affairs of everyday life and even when confronted with problems. We'll begin now uh, with the first question, written question that we've received. This participant writes in, I do not believe that we need challenges to make presence grow. 
I don't believe that presence shrinks when there are no challenges. You make it sound almost like you want bad things to keep happening so people can grow. How would you respond to this, Eckhart? <laughs> all spiritual teachings, or every path of awakening, if you want to call it that, is concerned with the end of suffering, or it might not, not every teaching puts it that way, or the Buddha did. The Buddha characterized his teaching in the following words, I teach suffering and the end of suffering. So the, the spiritual teaching is there to liberate you from suffering. And the strange paradox is, and this applies not to everybody, but to the majority of humans, you need to go through a certain amount of suffering before you realize that you don't want it anymore, and there is a way beyond suffering. And so that's a little paradox almost. So generally speaking, the human condition is, as the Buddha characterized it, is one of suffering. He called it dukkha, translated as suffering, unhappiness unsatisfactoriness, misery, in many ways you can translate it, many, but it all comes down to that thing. And if you look closely, you find that an enormous amount of suffering and ultimately suffering arises through a dysfunction in the human mind. So a moment comes in a person's awakening when he or she realizes that unhappiness that they are experiencing is not derived primarily from the situation that the person finds himself in, but from a narrative of the mind that comments on the situation. Most of your suffering, and ultimately all, your suffering arises in your own mind. That's the beginning of an awakening. You could start with a simple thing like realizing when you get anxious about something, uh, when you get irritated with something, realizing in that moment that this irritation, which is a minor form of suffering, anger is a form of suffering, not usually recognized as such. So, Slight irritation, you may realize that it does not, although there seems to be an external cause to it, but it does not arise ultimately from the external cause. It arises from the mental commentary about the external cause. So there's an awakening there when you realize that suffering is self-created. Until you reach that point, uh, suffering has a purpose. Suffering has a purpose because ultimately it awakens you so that you are ready to reach that point where you realize the possibility of going beyond suffering. Once you've reached that point, 
you begin to experience what presence is in your life. You begin to experience, you may have glimpses of presence, of, of awareness. And once you have that, you can choose to live in awareness. You can choose a moment of presence. And you don't need to be forced into it anymore by suffering. So there comes a point where you can consciously cooperate, so to speak, with the arising of presence, instead of having to be forced into presence through intense suffering. Spiritual teachings and spiritual teachers are helpful if they are genuine, because they can uh, accelerate the awakening process. So. It does not apply, there are exceptions to every rule, so there are some humans who awaken with little or no suffering also. I have known of some cases where humans did not need to go through a enormous amount of suffering. It's always best if you look at your own life, if you want to know whether suffering is needed or not. Did you need suffering before? coming here, did, did the suffering that arose in your past bring you to this point and you're here now, where you realize the possibility of, and not only realize the possibility of, where you actually are becoming more and more present, where presence deepens and continuously. So there's a reason why you have reached this point. And for most of you, it's, it's a suffering of one kind or another. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. But perhaps not for all, there are exceptions. And perhaps those people have suffered enough in past lifetimes to those. There are certain exceptions. For example, in the case of Ramana Maharshi, the famous sage from India, he experienced an awakening at a very early age of 17 with little or no suffering. He had a very deep death experience at the age of, I think it was 16 or 17, a very deep experience of dying. He didn't have any illness. It was just a spontaneous death experience. And in that moment, his ego, his egoic sense of self died. And he became awakened. That's fairly rare, but it can happen. So the questioner says, I don't believe we need challenges to end there. Well, whether you believe it or not doesn't really matter. 
But look at your own life. Is there evidence in your own life that uh, you've gone through suffering and the suffering has triggered an awakening or perhaps you haven't? Um, the important thing is the challenges that are inevitable in life. We are being challenged continuously in life. The question is, and this is a deciding factor in uh, finding out how conscious you are, whether you are awakening, if not awakened. The question is, do the challenges that are continuous in life, one after another, with good little intervals sometimes, yes, are they transformed into suffering and unhappiness? Is there an egoic self there that uh, experiences this as suffering? Or are you able to face the challenges of life without converting them unconsciously into suffering? And when that happens, then every challenge that comes into your life will make you more present. Until that happens, challenges that come into your life for a long time make you more reactive, more unconscious, and you suffer even more and more until finally there is an awakening. Some people awaken because they know they're going to die soon or they have been told that they're going to die soon, which normally would create an enormous amount of suffering created by the mind. And uh, some people experience a spontaneous awakening when that happens, perhaps after a, a period of intense suffering, there's suddenly a liberation. So, uh, Generally speaking, you need to suffer until you realize you don't need to suffer anymore. Or another way of putting it is when somebody asks you, do I need time to awaken spiritually, to awaken? You need time until you realize that you don't need time. So time and suffering go together. So you need so the suffering has a purpose up to a certain point. And that's the point of the awakening of consciousness. Then suffering can, this can, can still happen, but gradually the suffering is transcended more and more and is replaced with presence. And then as the, the challenges arise in your life, and they may change too, they may become less. They may not be as uh, extreme as they were before, that they may be smaller challenges. But whatever challenge happens in your life, once the awakening process has started, there's a good likelihood that the, the challenge will deepen you. Whether it's a challenge of a relationship challenge, or a health challenge, a financial challenge, it doesn't matter challenge of what kind. And only you can know whether when you're not being challenged, whether there's a decrease in your sense of presence or whether you're able to sustain your presence even when you're, everything is going fine, everything, uh, are, are you still able to embody that presence even when you're not being challenged? And if that's the case, then you do not need the suffering anymore, the challenge anymore to force you into presence. So you, only you have to know in your own life whether you're able to sustain presence 
even without and this many of you have reached that point i know that where suffering you don't need to be forced into presence anymore you can choose presence this is the huge difference but if a huge talent should arise then presence will intensify everybody will be challenged by the by old age unless you die young as somebody once said old age isn't so bad if you consider the alternative so you will be challenged by old age you will be challenged by certain perhaps certain bodily functions that are no longer performing as they used to all those things approaching death can be a wonderful uh, uh, way of being more and more present. I've experienced, I've seen people uh, in the face of death going through a very rapid transformation so that there was virtually no person left anymore. There was just a luminous sense of intensely alive presence that is wonderful to see. This is a possibility. Even if you haven't um, practiced presence in your life, there's always a last chance and that is as death approaches. But uh, if you have been consumed with the affairs of day-to-day -day living and the drama of, of human affairs for 85 years, and then perhaps it's not so easy to become present just as death approaches. So the important thing to remember is, am I still converting the challenges of life into suffering, which means it implies a suffering entity, a suffering me, an egoic sense of self that actually becomes stronger when it suffers because there's an identification with the suffering. The suffering strengthens the, e the egoic sense of self for quite a long time until a point is reached where it becomes so much that this cannot be this cannot be sustained anymore and then the opposite movement happens first suffering strengthens the ego for a long time and then the point is reached where suffering begins to erode the ego sometimes it can happen very quickly sometimes it happens gradually developing a physical disability uh, whatever, and I've seen people with physical disabilities whose ego has been, uh, has been gradually eroded through suffering. So that's a very, a very interesting point. Suffering for a long time strengthens the ego until this point of a limit is reached where you you can't you can't take any more suffering and then suddenly the same suffering that before strengthens the ego now begins to erode the ego it's a wonderful wonderful process it's all also embodied in the in the image of the, the christian cross the christian cross is the torture instrument which is a symbol for human suffering and the jesus on the cross is the archetypal human and the cross is both the torture instrument, it symbolizes suffering, but the cross is also a symbol for the divine at the same time. And that shows you that suffering, this, the torture, is, is, also, is a doorway into the transcendent dimension. 
And once you've taken a step into the transcendent dimension, then you leave that torture instrument behind, and it's the cross is the divine. Hello, hello, Eckhart. <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you. My question is: I had it. I had a decision to stop drinking alcohol. Um, it had become an addiction to sort of numb myself from my emotions. And I also have been an emotional eater as well. And I'm concerned that once the course has ended, that it might not be as easy. I have so many tools with the meditations and all, but I was wondering if there is more to help me through this transition. Right. So you were able to um, give up the drinking alcohol and also eating you say was a problem for a while uh, yes. and your eating is more is normal now you eat no more than the body needs so how did you develop the ability to stop drinking because i know there's an urge once a certain addictive pattern has established itself then there's a this is the, the addiction itself has a gravitational pull. And was it through presence that you were able to observe this gravitational pull and then go beyond it? Absolutely. The teachings and, and listening to all the callers, it's been so helpful. And it's made me so much more aware. Yes. So... It seems to be working, and for you're not the only one for whom an, an addiction and the need to go beyond addiction, and again, this links into the, the first question and answer that we had today, the addiction, which is also a form of suffering, ultimately uh, forced you to become more present so that you could go beyond it. And again, you can see that retrospectively, you can even be thankful for having gone through that. You, we cannot know beforehand whether the question itself, you don't even need to ask yourself the question whether you will be able to sustain it, because for presence, all you need is to be present in this moment. If you start thinking of whether you will be able to sustain presence, when this course comes to an end, for example, you don't know the answer, but there's a good chance that this course and what preceded it, you were already reading the books and so on and doing spiritual practice. Uh, during this time, the power of presence has been growing in you and it's unlikely that it will now dissipate again. Although setbacks can happen and have happened to people, it's true that sometimes setbacks happen. But uh, once a certain degree of presence is reached, then the power is there against which these addictive patterns are relatively helpless. You need to be careful, though, when some kind of challenge or problem comes into your life uh, in whatever form, and eventually something will come again, things, they always come, that you need to be very careful at that point of the, when a, a challenge or problem arises in your life, there's the point where you can, there's a moment of or a decision of becoming more intensely present or falling back into a pattern of 
numbing yourself to the emotion. You need to be very careful. Be be aware that no matter what problem arise may arise in the future, whether it's to do with the relationship or finances or your living situation or your health or somebody close to you, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. But as a problem arises, always be very immediately identify it as there's a challenge. And now you have a choice. You can either go into numbing yourself so that you don't want to experience the, the, the pain of the challenge and then you go to drinking or eating. Or you can become more intensely present and that you can you look the challenge in the face, you face it completely. And then the power actually grows with every challenge, then the power in you grows. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. There may be certain thought patterns associated with the addiction that you need to be aware of. For example, in the case of overeating, or also in the case of drinking, there's a certain a narrative that can easily arise, perhaps this happened to you before, that can easily arise in your mind, a little thing that tells you something in your mind. For example, if it's, let's say it's overeating, you come home in the evening, you had a stressful day, you come home and there you sit, and then the thought comes in, you can feel the addict, the certain gravitational pull towards going to the fridge and taking out something, incarnating into a, a, a chocolate cake or whatever it is. <laughs> um, as then the thought comes in, oh, I've had a rough day, I deserve a treat. I've had a, a really rough day. Whether you say I or you talk, some people talk to themselves in, in this, they say you. You've had a rough day. You deserve a treat. You should don't deprive yourself of everything. You really des you deserve a treat. <laughs> and if you're not careful enough, this thought, which is linked to the addictive pattern, will take you to the fridge, and then you will you found a justification for going along with the addiction. Uh, so you it, this be careful if that ever arises again. So you can identify a certain thought that seems to justify the addiction and don't believe, that's why sometimes we say, don't believe in every thought that comes into your mind. <laughs> so when, when there's a self-talk, be, be careful with any thought that seeks to justify the addiction. It's a, it's a thought that's actually been created by the energy of the addiction. Does that make sense? It does very much.
I would say the only fear um, that I have is probably, you know, after the course ends. I don't know. I just feel like going out socially, that I think is where the temptation might come in. But I just believe that my path is to not not drink. Yes. Yes. There to observe your mind to see what it says, because your mind might say, oh, just this once. There may even come a time when you can enjoy a glass of wine or something without the danger that it will pull you into unconsciousness. But that probably not, unless you haven't reached that point, you may not reach that point, it doesn't really matter. I drink a glass or two of wine, usually with dinner, and I I cannot drink more, so there's never, there's never a desire to go beyond that. And... Uh, so it's not a it's not a problem, and if I had to give it up, that would be okay too. But that's fine. And I tell people on retreats and so on, avoid alcoholic beverages if you possibly can. Even people who don't have an, a problem with drinking or just are casual drinkers, they should also avoid, especially when they're engaged in intensive spiritual practice, because it can easily pull the pull your out of presence. So use this challenge that you have, and you're doing it already, so that through it you grow in presence, and then all will be well. Continue to observe your mind so that you don't believe in a thought that seeks to justify indulging in addiction again. So that'll be your practice. Thank you so very much. Thank you very much, everybody. It's been amazing. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Our next question, Eckhart, comes from someone who wrote in, as I observe the presence capabilities of those I'm close to in my family, the question arises as to whether senility, dementia, or even full-fledged Alzheimer's will wipe away all my conscious practice in being present. Do you think we will revert to an unconscious state if our minds regress through senility, dementia, or Alzheimer's? Now, of course, it's good to remember that you are not your mind. Your mind is an instrument through which consciousness expresses itself. Consciousness, the mind is a kind of focal point for, for consciousness. So what happens then when the mind deteriorates to uh, find an analogy, it's a little bit like you're watching a television broadcast and uh, the picture is suddenly not very good anymore and it begins to flicker and then it fades out and then it comes back and then you... It's not, it's not sharply defined anymore. And so there's obviously something wrong. It doesn't mean that something is wrong beyond this television. It could, but in this case, the, the television, the machine has developed a dysfunction. Perhaps it's old or perhaps some water got in there or something. The, the, it's not able to act any longer as fully as a transmitter of uh, whatever the signals are that are flowing into the television. 
So, so we are consciousness and the consciousness that you are, the consciousness that I am, is a manifestation of the one consciousness that pervades the entire universe. One could say that the the mind, or to talk in physical terms, the human brain, which undoubtedly there's an association with consciousness and the human brain. The human brain is acts a little bit like, yes, television or radio or a lens through which consciousness becomes focalized, through which consciousness manifests, and then it creates this world, because this world without your mind doesn't really exist as a world. So consciousness creates this world and it needs your mind, it needs the physical brain in order to express itself through that. So when the, the mind begins to fail, all it means is consciousness is, it begins to withdraw because it cannot express itself fully anymore. So this, basically it's the beginning of dying and and some people die on the mental realm before they die physically that that in the case of alzheimer becomes more and more acute then you can see then that the person basically isn't there anymore occasionally you still see glimpses of the person that was there once but it gradually is basically dissolving and consciousness the the brain is no, no longer capable of acting as a as a transmitter of, of consciousness. And uh, no gain in consciousness is left. There's an awakening process in the entire universe that is happening. The universe is engaged in awakening. And you are only a small but important aspect of the awakening of consciousness in this dimension. And so if, if consciousness awakens through you, this is not lost. This is a is part of the awakening of the totality of consciousness. So no, no consciousness, no gain in consciousness is ever lost. And you are not your mind. So that perhaps is helpful to know if you especially for perhaps if you are with somebody close to you or a loved one who is suffering from Alzheimer or you begin to suffer from memory loss and then perhaps more severe. So as you practice presence, I, I, would, uh, I don't have any scientific evidence for this and I don't think it exists, but uh, I would suggest that if you live in presence, it's less likely that you will develop uh, uh, Alzheimer in, in old age. Perhaps it could still happen, but I would suggest that it is less, much less likely. So you are not your mind. The mind is an instrument for consciousness. And when the mind fails, it does not affect the underlying consciousness. Underlying the entire universe, the sense-perceived universe, is a field of intelligence that is the organizing principle behind form. And so no matter what happens on the surface level of form, 
it does not affect the underlying consciousness. And so that also implies that no matter what drama happens in this dimension, and it is, it is, a, it may well be a tragedy and very dramatic and very dreadful in this dimension. There's always another perspective and another level of truth, which does not invalidate the lower level of truth. So it does not say that a dreadful event like a genocide or something like that, that it doesn't matter. No, it is true that this is a dreadful event on this level of truth. From a higher, deeper or higher perspective, that consciousness that gave life to all these suffering forms still continues to exist and has not been affected by what happens on the level of physical reality. There's an underlying deeper reality. So ultimately, another way of putting it, there's only one being, there's only one I am, and that is the one consciousness. There is one being that incarnates through countless billions and billions of forms. And in this continuous process of death and becoming and birth and death, birth, becoming, dying, being born, becoming, dying, there's a, there's a gradual process of awakening in this dimension, but it it emanates from a deeper dimension or higher dimension. And so whatever happens in this dimension is almost a little bit like, an, like a symbol for something deeper. It's not the ultimate reality. Nothing that happens here is the ultimate reality. And uh, there's a wonderful line which I can quote to you from a book called A Course in Miracles. Uh, and that is a little, this little quote is at the very beginning of The Course in Miracles, which is a huge book, the same length approximately as the Bible. It's a book of psychological teaching. It's for some people it's very helpful, for others it's not. But anyway, the entire course is summarized in the following words, and it's at the very beginning of the book. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. If you understand that, you understand the entire course in miracles and you understand every spiritual teaching in existence. Herein lies the peace of God means in, in understanding, in, in experiencing the truth of this, that nothing real can be threatened, and that nothing unreal ultimately exists. In, in understanding this at the deeper levels, then you, you are, your inner condition is called the peace of God that arises. And that's a very deep saying. Uh, you understand that, that's all you ever need on the level of concepts. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. 
Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.